Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. His hand opens up and there's a needle that kind of juts out from uh, his palm and just like jabs it into uh, Walton. As you stab Walt, this sudden shock of pain tips over the edge with a upsetting pop. Walt is gone. Why did you make him peel back? Yeah, um, Maeve, Maeve punches Trev. I made it to the top of the board. I filmed you doing that. You're welcome. Fuck's off. Whatever. My name's Hattie. Nice to meet you, Hattie. I'm Brindley. Have you ever thought of delivering cross towers, Brindley? Tower relations are far too delicate for an unpredictable element like this to be thrown in the mix. The presence of this crew could undo everything we've worked towards. Does he remember? I don't know. Then we need to make sure his loyalties are in the right place. It looks like he has a debt to pay. Welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Lena. I am your host and your Slugmaster, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world who are going to introduce themselves to you now. As you introduce yourselves, I want to know, if you, the player, were put in Operablum, which tower's philosophy and lifestyle do you feel like you would align with the most? Hi, my name is Liam. Uh, I play Helix Pinnacle. He's the smarts playbook with the hard light board. He belongs to Web Tower, uh, and I'd like to think I would too. Uh, my, my Twitter handle actually describes my I, one of the fake credits I've given myself in my Twitter bio is pre-op cyborg. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to not have the the body that I have and replace it all with machine parts. Uh, there's a great Jonathan Colton song. Um, that has the line, uh, when the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away, Ooh. that I always sort of resonated with me. So yeah, can't, can't wait to fix my body with machine parts. Hi, I'm Michael Vetch and I'm here playing Walton Wick, the chill playbook with the robot companion. And, um, this is a hard pick. This is a, this is a, this is a little, little tricky wicket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tricky wicket. maybe I'll go, go, go Lansden. The, 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 the restoration thing seems like a good, like a, what? You take care of the place you're in and it's a good idea? Oh, <laughs> that's got something to it, maybe, a little bit. Yeah, I can, I can see that. My name is Robin Slack. I play Maybelline Zandros, the Grit playbook with the photonic jacket. Uh, she belongs to Lansden Tower. Um, and I'd like to think I would belong to Lansden Tower because I agree with their ideals the most. And, you know, like Michael was saying, the restoration and the you know, taking care of the place you live. But I feel like that's me outside the game with the objective perspective. And if I actually live there... You know, I'm I, I'm I'm an actor and a comedian and a musician and like I, I could be out trying to save the world and doing social justice and protesting every day and making the world a better place, but but I'm not all the time. I try my best. So <laughs> I think I'd be in kindred and I would feel really guilty about it and 
you know, donate to Lansden fundraisers a lot and be like, or like, maybe, maybe just share uh, stuff on social media about Lansden, what Lansden's up to and be like, this is, this is good. We should really all get behind this, but you know. Also come to my show. Yeah, also come to my show. In Kindred, please. Yeah. Hi, my name is Glenna. I play Brinley Zerk. She is the Guts playbook and she has the Gravity Blaster. Um, I know this is a bit of a Lansden train, but uh, I think I, I really like the artisanal aspect of Lansden as well as the, the restoration uh, philosophy for sure. Um, but I think as someone who has been into like sewing and prop building and that kind of thing, I can really get behind like handmade artisanal crafts. My name is David Ray, and I am playing Trev Four, uh, who is the Heart Playbook. And uh, you know what? Like Trev Four, who is a part of Kindred, uh, I too am very Kindred. You know what I, I always say to myself? How can we find new planets and new places to go and take their resources to make my life a little <laughs> easier? Because frankly, boy, I don't know if you know this. There's too much work I have to do every day. So a pro kindred all the way. Bring me re more resources for free, please. Thank you. <laughs> we all could use some more resources. Am I right? Hey, uh, the, inflation. Right. Uh. the inflation, the uh, inflation, society, etc. Um, and as I said, I'm Lena. I am your host and slugmaster. Uh, and when I got my phone, it was uh, on the brink of becoming an outdated model. Um, and the, the same happened, uh, this past year when I, when I got my piano, um, I, I keep getting things as they're about to become obsolete. So clearly the latest fashion, uh, does not matter to me. So Kindred is out. Um, <laughs> and, uh, surgeries yuck me out. What good? Uh, so Web is out. Uh, so I think I would be a Lansden person, even though I want all the towers to get along because I love my friends. Uh, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all went to DiboCon. I think in some ways it was very successful. And there were a couple of um little little ways that it didn't go entirely as planned, such as, you know, little bit of peel back, which is not the best, but uh yeah, I wanna check in on the crew and, and see how y'all are doing, so let's play some slug blaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo! The shifts immediately following Gold Star Disaster's ill-fated trip to Daibokan are quiet and tense, both between the members of the crew and the towers of Operablum. Skyways shut down and two-factor authentication creeps into wireless networks as the towers isolate further from each other. For Gold Star Disaster, routine settles in to dampen the tension. In Web Corporation Megatower, Helix Pinnacle reports to the Pinnacle Project for his diagnostics and regular nutrition and hormone intake. In Lansdon Enterprise Megatower, Brinley Zerk returns to her work at Post Host. Deliveries begin to slow down and all of them are contained to Lansdon. In the Aesirium Temple, Tarment assigns extra study materials stressing the importance of multiversal balance to Maybelline Zandros and her fellow seedlings. In Kindred Multiversal Megatower, Walton Wick's recovery is ongoing and difficult. When the Euphorophil finally wore off, it brought on a crash that exacerbated the symptoms of his peelback. 
When that went away, so too went the promise of a restful sleep. Through all of this, Scampykin's health and well-being remain intact. It seems to be the one thing Walt can reliably maintain. In the bot shop, Trev4 sits in his port in low power mode, patiently waiting for his crew to pick him up for the next run. Every 90 minutes, he logs into the private Nexo chat room, and every time he does, a message pops up, informing him of the last known activity. It's always the same. 90 minutes ago, Trev4 logged in. 87 minutes ago, Trev4 logged out. He also periodically checks the group text thread, which is similarly silent. Some time passes, quiet and tense. Then, the silence is broken by a message from Trev4 to the Gold Star Disaster group thread. The message contains a link to a video call, followed by one word. Urgent. Walt, Maeve, Helix, Bryn, and Trev. You find yourselves in a chat room waiting to be admitted into a video call. This isn't NexoChat, this is KinCon, short for Kindred Conference. <laughs> There's a message floating at the top of each of your screens that just says waiting to be admitted. And in the meantime, the five of you have a brief opportunity to chat using the text messaging feature built into the waiting room before meeting with official representatives of Kindred Multiversal Megatower. Walt, how have you been? I, I, I haven't talked to you since, um, I, I, I'm sorry, it just, it's, it's been so hard to get between the towers, and I, I haven't even been able to get a good inner tower signal until, until Trev sent this invite. Uh, how, how you holding up? I've been fine. You know, sleep comes when it can. Does, does anyone know what this call is supposed to be for? I'm trepidatious about connecting to a kindred communication network. I was under the impression these are all but outlawed. That's that's why we use the defunct NexoChat. Hey, wait a minute, Trev. If you're here, then who are we waiting on to let us in? What What's this all about? I have just been informed that I needed to get the entirety of the group called Gold Star Disaster together in order to <laughs> meet with some kindred corporation uh, higher ups hmm. are we are we in trouble or so higher ups never sounds good that they're only called higher ups when they're mad at you i feel like oh no the, it is never bad with kindred kindred is only there to look out for all of us well who knows maybe we're coming into this too negative well there's just a lot of negativity going around i trying to keep up he looks over at Brindley, uh, their last conversation unresolved. Listen, gang, I, I wanted to have a word about that, and I guess now's as good a time as any since we're waiting to be let in and all. I I know tensions ran a little hot the end of last run, and, and I know I I was some of the worst of it. Um, when, when Walt peeled back, I, I kind of panicked, and I, I didn't... I said some things I maybe shouldn't have, and I punch some things I maybe shouldn't have and listen if we're, if we're gonna be a crew we gotta be able to stick together through the the hard times too not just when we're pulling sick tricks and and blowing up everyone's social media I, I we gotta be able to to work through this stuff and and well Trev I just I, I want to say that I'm sorry I guess I I know you were just trying to help Walton in your way and and you couldn't have known what it was going to do, and I, I I shouldn't have reacted the way I did, and I think a lot of us maybe shouldn't have reacted the way we did. I mean, I know we're in a text-based format, so I can't, like, side-eye 
Helix and Brinley to be like, figure out your shit. Um, but if there's an emoticon that succinctly uh, sums that up, uh, Maeve is definitely typing it. Maybe it's just that she's um, she's tagged uh, she tags uh, Helix and Brinley in the post. I was gonna say it's like an emoji of a DNA sequence, like a DNA helix, and then an emoji yeah. of a glove. Ah, yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoops, my finger slipped. <laughs> to that end, I would like to acknowledge that uh, I am definitely in slug blasting for the uh, appeal and notoriety and general rush that it comes with but please do not mistake my enthu- creative enthusiasm for disregard for our team cohesion if you feel like i am making it all about me uh and it's text-based so you can't hear this tone on his voice but uh, he, he can't help but type it that way it's alternating um, lowercase and uppercase <laughs> yeah <laughs> spongebob gif uh, then I guess in the name of adaptation and evolution, I would be amenable to hearing out those concerns. And that's as close to an apology as you're going to get from him. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm not saying we have to all be all buddy-buddy all the time or, or, you know, always see totally eye to eye. But this whatever's going on here seems serious. Kindred's involved and I, I, I don't like the feeling in my gut right now. So I think whatever's going on between all of us, we need to set it aside until we figured out what this is all about. I've always been a fan of teamwork. <laughs> what two emojis does Brindley put at the end of that? <laughs> uh, like the shaking hands emoji. Yes. <laughs> and a hoverboard. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yes, I am quite suspicious of this meeting. And uh, regardless of how we feel, I think you're right. Uh, Sticking together, even if you're all complete strangers, uh, I'm not one to uh, buckle under pressure in the face of the man. So uh, I've I've got all your backs in this regard. I don't know why Helix is really cagey about this. He doesn't like being called into weird kindred chats that he's, you know, the the, the stuff's been locked down. We haven't been able to talk. So the fact that we're given this forum to discuss amongst each other before a meeting with kindred people has his hackles way up. Mm-hmm. And they shall stay up as suddenly the waiting room disappears and with a bing-dong, you find yourselves in a video call. Uh, in addition to yourselves, there are six other users in this chat. Um, three of them have their cameras on and the middle screen features a slender woman with angular features and white blonde hair parted straight down the middle. Each user has their name and a long official-looking title at the bottom of the display. Uh, And Brinley, there is one name there that catches your eye. Uh, One of the users has their camera off, and the name says, Hattie, Lead Lansden Consultant. Ooh. Uh, The the woman with the white blonde hair, uh, her display reads, Gigi, Director of K-E-R-E. And she smiles just the biggest... Uh, toothy, photogenic news anchor kind of grin. Uh, she says, Hello there, Gold Star Disaster. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. My name is Gigi. I am the director of the Kindred Ezria Rehabilitation Efforts. I wanted to discuss an opportunity with you. This sounds fantastic. My name is Trevor, and I am so excited for what Kindred has for us. Oh, we know who you are, Trevor. After all, you're the reason we called this meeting in the first place. 
it was it was because of me. Well, gosh, golly, this is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Using a bot I have a previous relationship with to get me onto an illegal call is considered entrapment, and I don't submit to any of your authority. <laughs> oh yeah, and whatever Helix said, I, I say that also because he usually knows what he's talking about. So, so uh, uh, legally binding, ditto. Illegal? No, no, no. We have filed all of the proper paperwork for this. Everything here is completely above board, and you're not in trouble. Well, I mean, there is a little something that we need to clear up, but other than that, you're certainly not in trouble. Is this about that time that I? Well, that I, the Dabo Dash when I was on TV and everyone saw, cause, cause listen, we, we, we didn't realize we weren't supposed to be there. We were just looking for our friend and we, we didn't know. We didn't know that it was bad. We, we, I, I'm not from Opera Ablem and I, I didn't. Mavely, Mavely, stop, stop incriminating yourself. Let's just hear them out. Don't, don't say anything you don't have to. That's dealing with authority 101. Right, right. Sorry. I'm, I'm all shook up. Well, you don't need to be concerned. We just wanted to talk about your arrangement with this Trev 4 unit. I mean, first of all, I just want to say I am so glad that this unit is serving you well. A little surprised that you're going with an older model, but they seem to be doing the job for you just fine. Oh, yeah. I am the official account holder of Trev 4. Uh, so I suppose you, your beef is with me. I don't think I would call it a beef. Beef, and she does like a big, uh, over-exaggerated air quotes as she says the word beef. Although, uh, we did have to put a little teeny tiny flag on the account, uh, just because we noticed that there was some, uh, a little bit of debt, uh, uh, incurring from your last lease of Trev 4. Bryn, have you not been... Making the rental payments? I, th- I thought you said you were good for it. I am good for it. I Tre- Trev did rack up quite a tab buying us all those outfits. Wait, we were paying for those? I I just made the purchases that would be most efficient to become better slug blasters. Trev, you got me Desneen shark skin pants. Those things cost more than the entire Arborist Temple, probably. What, what were you thinking? I thought you had some kind of kindred credit line or something. I didn't know that was going on our bill. I chose it because it is hella tight. (laughs) (laughs) Just pointing out, uh, it's going on my bill. (laughs) I'm fine with that. (laughs) Well, you don't need to worry because we have come up with a solution that I think will be beneficial for everyone. Does this solution have something to do with Ezria, then? Yes, that's right, Ezria. Uh, Well, most of you would probably know it as Vestige, our neighboring dimension. The desolate wasteland, sandpit ruin realm. Yes, we're we're familiar. Yes. Oh, isn't that just such a shame, too? Desolate wasteland ruin. Oh, really don't like those words. And as you all probably know, there has been uh, a movement, uh brought upon by the Arborists and and folks over at Null uh, to try and restore Vestige to what it once was, and we want to help contribute to those efforts. Oh yeah, those weird kids from Null shook up Miper, and now they have to clean up their mess. I'm all for reclamation and whatnot. I'm, I'm from Lansden, but I mean, weren't Null folks the ones who messed up Ezri in the first place? Why should we be trusting them with the with the overhaul. Well, and that's where we come in 
And that's where you come in. <laughs> Go on. Well, as you know, Operablem has been contributing to some of the work done to restore Ezria, or Vestige. Kindred certainly is very much involved in that. Uh, but we wanted to get your help to basically go on an exploration mission for us. Exploration, like, into the into the wastes? Well, yes, there's still so much of the dimension that we don't even really know anything about. And if we are going to restore it back to what it once was, we need to have a full picture of what we're dealing with. Into the unknown. I dig it. Will carrying out this expedition absolve us of our debt? Absolutely. Then I suppose we have no choice. Uh, Maeve is, while still like on the video chat and like smiling at the camera, probably awkwardly because she's trying to do two things at once, uh, <laughs> She's she's smiling at the camera. She's got her top set of arms folded in view of the camera, but <laughs> yeah. her bottom set of arms are frantically texting to the group chat that we were on earlier, um, and and uh, trying to co- converse privately with with her compatriots. And is like, gang, I, I I know we should probably keep our guard up here, but this could be real good for us. Ezria is is almost entirely undiscovered. If I, there, there's so much potential for us to to make a name for ourselves there. And and if we've got Kindred's full backing, I, I think we might need to jump on this. Uh, Walt speaking out loud onto the video call. Maeve makes a good point. <laughs> I think this could be a really cool opportunity for us on a lot of different fronts. <laughs> uh, Gigi's smile does not change, but you see like her eyebrow go up like a, a tiny, tiny <laughs> fraction. <laughs> It is true that Ezria has a lot of great resources that we might be able to find to use for our own slug blasting purposes. Oh, of course, you are all up and coming explorers. I'm sure you may find some resources that would be very valuable to you. Not to mention how much it will raise your profile. And of course, the good you'll be doing for Vestige and the greater multiverse. Right, right. It's it's all about Vestige, of course. That that that's what matters here. Well, that sounds grid. Uh, is there a certain time frame you had for this? Are we talking a shift or two? Or well, as far as timeline goes, the sooner the better. Though it's there's no uh, major urgency. Well, of course, that flag is going to stay on Trev Four's account until this little mission is done. So, if you want to do more runs with your companion, we may want to get this done sooner rather than later. Uh, hang on now. I, I understand that, that we owe you a debt here, but but Trev made all those purchases himself. We didn't we didn't command him to go and buy those things. That 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 was a decision he made. Plus, all of us would be taking on some substantial risk to go and do this mission for you. I feel like if we agree to this, we should get to keep using Trev for going forward without having to pay for it. He should just be a full member of our crew. And this is Maeve trying to negotiate, um, and I'm wondering if I can make a roll for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess just a straight d6. Can I can I call this uh, like is my grit here helping my action? Just my my sheer uh, audacity at trying to (laughs) negotiate this mega corporation into a better deal. Um, yeah, I think your your grip might count for this. And what do we think, team? Do we want to spend a hype die before we've <laughs> even gone on the run 
considering it if if we accomplish it we get trev for free <laughs> robin look we are desperately wanting a six so you know whatever yeah. we have to do <laughs> the stakes have never been yeah. high desperately <laughs> wanting yeah and if anyone knows stakes it is trev four <laughs> all right that that sounds like i got clearance to to roll a hype die rolling with 3d6 here we go we got a five. Mixed success. Okay. Ooh. Gigi's smile this entire meeting has been pretty much unchanging. Just like huge, like full teeth, gleaming white. And she just kind of, for a moment, you think maybe her screen might be frozen as she's like watching uh, and like processing the the offer, the counter offer, whatever this is, the negotiation that Maeve has put forth. <laughs> um, and she says, I think maybe something can be arranged. Of course, uh, perpetuity is always a very tricky area to navigate, but we can at least give you a discount for the foreseeable future and maybe possibly work our way up to getting Trev 4 for free. You know what? Even as a bonus, we might even find a way to update his software without all of those pesky memory wipes. I'm sure reminding him of all of your exploits has been quite exhausting. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, Helix it, it, gives you a thumbs up, like, yes, lie to the, lie to cops, always <laughs> lie to cops. <laughs> I know they're not cops, but like, <laughs> yeah. If you give Maeve a thumbs up, are you doing it on camera? <laughs> thumbs up emoji just, in the chat. Thumbs yeah. up emoji in the chat, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it, it has been a real pain, and that that will be nice to to not have to do that anymore. Well, dang, this felt like an unequivocal success to me. I don't see any sort of any sort of problems <laughs> or issues with it. Any complications? Um, I think I, I think I nailed that. Uh, I have a question regarding Webb's involvement. I, re I recognize a number of you have uh, kindred identification. Uh, there's a representative from Lansden here. Is is any? Am I the only uh, Webb Tower uh, individual in this call? Yeah, uh, so Helix, I think, uh, much like how uh, there is a lead Lansden consultant, Hattie, in the chat, there is also uh, a name, and it says, you know, lead web consultant. Similar situation, camera off, mic off. Uh, and Gigi says, oh, well, you know, we we have our, our lead consultants here who are, you know, just keeping their ear uh, to the ground, uh, the ground, of course, being this call, uh, just to be up to date on everything uh, happening in and around Kindred Tower. Sure. Just uh, addressing the uh, web consultant here on this call, uh, it would be very beneficial to me if none of this made its way back to the people operating the Pinnacle Project specifically. Uh, please and thank you. Uh, you see a, a thumbs up react pop up on their window <laughs> <laughs> and Gigi says well i guess as long as your exploits haven't gotten back to the pinnacle project then then it'll all be fine and good a, a trepidatious okay <laughs> <laughs> well we will send you some coordinates for a thin zone to vestige it's up on floor 613 of kindred multiversal uh let me just send a pin over to you right now and uh in like the chat window of this particular video call you see like a link sort of pop up 
And she says, yes, and uh, we very much look forward to working with you on this next adventure. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, that feels like the right thing to say. Thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) Uh, With that, the video call wraps up and we jump ahead a little bit in time. Uh, Gigi's location pin guides all of you to a lift that will take you to floor six. From there, you will transfer to another lift that will take you to floor 613. For those coming from Lansden and Webb, the directions include specific skyways that are the most efficient. Seems like it's all on the up and up. For the first time, you actually don't need to go through Trinity Municipark. You all sort of meet up following the pin um, at this uh, hyperlift. It is an express lift right in the center of Kinder Tower. Uh, and you are all currently on floor three, looking to make your way up to floor six. And we join the five of you as you all sort of meet in this space. Gang, this is so wild. I, it's been years since I've been that high up in Kindred. It is truly an honor to be Surprised by the Kindred Corporation. Uh, Maeve doesn't contribute to this conversation at all because she uh, is just all four arms loaded up with uh, fast food bags. Uh, This is the (laughs) first time she's been able to like traverse between the towers on the up and up and actually like go to the different uh, multiversal uh, restaurants that Kindred has to offer because Lanson's got nothing. They don't. They don't associate mm-hmm. with other dimensions, uh, and she has uh, gotten sick of of all the offerings there. So uh, she has a bunch of different uh, greasy paper bags from a bunch of different restaurants from a bunch of different dimensions, and her mouth is full of like uh, a quadruple decker burger right now. And she's just kind of <laughs> like she mumbles. She tries to contribute, but it just sounds like. <laughs> Oh, she's chowing down on that uh, Burger Man double-double meal. Yes, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> double-double meal. My parents do a lot of business up on levels that high, but it's so rare that I ever get to go up, sometimes for stuff with my cousins, but this is huge. The door uh, to the lift opens. The five of you step through. The door begins to close, and then at the last moment... Um, a somewhat taller than average operablen man rushes through and kind of like does the thing where he like scoots in sideways as the doors are about to close. He turns and pushes buttons four and five. This is an express lift. If you had just pressed six, maybe it would have gone faster, but now it has to stop every hundred floors. So now the lift is going to be going a little bit slower. He's got, like, kind of reddish-brown hair that's, like, really messily tied out of his face. Um, He has, like, kind of a a heavy square jaw and, like, kind of moderately dark skin. And he stands facing the door, and he says, You know what they're doing, right? Are you... Are you talking to us? We we don't know you, sir. Uh, sir, the the lifts go up and down, and and you seem to have pressed two different buttons, (laughs) so it'll, it'll take you to two stops. Listen, your kids... But you're not idiots. All right? Correct. Thank you. They're trying to get you on their side to make you stand for kindred instead of all the towers. 
You don't think that's gonna topple the others? Disaster. It's certainly apt. You think you think our crew associated with Kindred is gonna topple two mega corporations? Come on, man. We're we're just doing hoverboard tricks. We didn't ask for any of the politics. Doesn't mean you're not gonna get them. People are paying attention to you. You're rising up. You're becoming something big. That doesn't happen if you're from different towers. And what's it to you? Let's just say I'm part of an organization that cares about Operablum as a whole. That wants these towers to be working together again. I mean, if you can't even say the name of the operation, how, how much uh, are you really accomplishing in that goal? Sometimes it's not about a fancy name and image to get stuff done around here. And he kind of eyes your uh, arborist robes. <laughs> your feedback has been noted. We uh, are an aspiring slug blaster crew and nothing more. Uh, uh, your insight's been invaluable, but again, I really don't see how a bunch of uh, youths on hoverboards are going to make or break hundreds of years of inter-tower conflict and on and off cooperation. I guess that's up to you. Hey, you got a better offer, man? You make it. Sorry. I can't make things easy the way they make things easy. The way I see it, you either become a kindred crew, die in the wool, or you side with no one, or you side with everyone. This is the second strangest encounter I've had in a hyperlift. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, sorry, just like your accent. Are you part of Shimmer or something? You sound like a real underground type. <laughs> What's Shimmer? Uh, it's, it's like a, you know what Shimmer is. It's like the organization of all the guys. They go together and they do the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to know an awful lot about Shimmer. I hear things. It's fine. I just, they all sound, people who are part of it have a similar accent. That's all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear it now. It's like like those old uh, old null gangster movies. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm starting to do it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it too, and now I need to really emphasize the rest of my voice to not do it. <laughs> Look, I have a very unique voice alongside a bunch of other people who have very unique voices. You can tell them all apart, and because everyone is a distinct, different person, it's not weird that they all have unique voices. Don't overthink it. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm just saying, I, uh, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so did you actually need to get off on four or five, because four's coming up? I just wanted to make sure that you heard me out. Lena. I don't know what this is, but is it possible for me to get a read on this person? So the two abilities that might be uh, applicable is my heart's ability, intuition, uh, and specifically if someone's vibes are off, I can I can always tell that. And the other one is mm -hmm. uh, for realm wear lens, which uh, I can roll to see uh, in-depth biometrics. Uh, Ooh! So I, I'm, I'm wondering if I could like get a read on, uh, on that. If I can maybe at least roll, and you can tell me what's, uh, what's kind of going on with this person. I think you would pretty fairly assume that something's up with this dude's vibe. Mm -hmm. I will say because your intuition says you can always tell when someone likes slash dislikes who. Yeah. 
um, you get a bit of a sense of like distance and standoffishness from him kind of towards all of you, but especially Maeve and especially you. Anything more than that, and there is more, will require a roll. You know what? I'm going to add maybe one extra die to it uh, from my heart. Okay. Just to see. Uh, I rolled a three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, beans. So, um, unfortunately... Your your biometrics uh, readings get all weird because you can't seem to lock in on this guy and you keep, like, uh, d- jumping over to, like, Brinley and then Walt uh, and then this guy. And it's like, oh, suspicious. And then to Maeve and then to Helix. Um, so you're just getting a general wash of, like, confusion slash whatever anyone else in the crew might be feeling. Do I recognize it? That, like, my readings are just completely off kind of a thing? I think so. I think that you would be able to glean that, you know, this isn't working for you the way you want it to in this moment. And, and so, like, Trev Four's like, uh, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, and, and, like, makes an error code uh, in, a, like, I need an update uh, kind of a thing. Uh, tags in his, like, memory. Ooh. Okay. I think... Without thinking, this guy goes over to you, pops open like a panel, maybe near your like shoulder or something, uh, messes with some dials and your update goes through and your Realmor lens sort of like powers down so that you're not reading the biometrics anymore. And he closes the panel all expertly. So he just comes and does that. Oh, boy. Uh, sir, regardless of if your stop was on four or five, you're going to have to tell us what you just did to our friend. Uh, and as he seems to, like, figure out what to say, the error message uh, going over Trev's visual display um, flickers away and his pixelated face returns. Trev, you feeling all right? Sky goof your biz? <laughs> 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 My biz is completely not goofed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then he looks at you, Trev, uh, right in your visual 360 degree visual receptor. Mm -hmm. uh, And he says, we're rising up. Again, sir, we're in a hyperlift. The, The point of the device is to go up and down. So rising up is part of the natural thing. Which floor are you getting off at, sir? This is quickly becoming the first most weird interaction I've ever had in a hyperlift. <laughs> this guy has not turned to look at Walt. He is still looking at you, Trevor. Please, tinkering with hardware of the Kindred Corporation's ownership is highly illegal. Yeah, and tinkering with our friend is highly unwise and Maeve kind of like clenches four fists uh at the word illegal uh this guy cocks an eyebrow and the corner of his mouth kind of like curls up into a little smirk uh and then he he takes a step back from you and and steps towards the door it is moving up I think it's maybe moved past four at this point and is like making its way up towards five and he says look I don't mean any of you any trouble I just want you to know exactly what you're getting into so you can make the wisest decisions. 
All right. We appreciate the insight. You have served to significantly confuse me. <laughs> uh, Trev Four uh, scans the face and saves it to his hard drive. This is subconsciously. Uh, scans the face, mm-hmm. saves it to uh, his hard drive, um, and just leaves it as like, oh, this is a questionable interaction. As the lift approaches floor five, he his eyes... Uh, go over to Maeve and he says after all things go badly there might not be other dimensions to hoverboard in anymore I think Maeve just meets his gaze uh, but she's she's she doesn't say anything she, she's got a lot to think about with what this guy has said and she just kind of like uh, subconsciously uh, fiddles with the arborist emblem on the on the sleeve of her robe uh, but tries not to to back down, tries to, to hold his gaze as he, I'm assuming, steps off the elevator. And the doors open and he uh, leaves at a brisk pace and then the doors close behind him and it continues up towards floor six. That was comforting, confusing, and mildly threatening. <laughs> yeah, definitely nefarious, but also perhaps not wholly unfounded advice. So like he's from Shimmer, right? Like we've established that. I hate to hate to play the I'm not from Operablum card, but uh, someone's gonna have to tell me what Shimmer's all about. Maybe the GM. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Uh, let me pull up a handy dandy thing that I like to call the Slug Blaster Rulebook. <laughs> I mean, I, what what I know of them based on brief documentation I've read over recently uh, is they are an interplanar criminal syndicate. With whom we have negative one for some reason. I forget how we incurred that. That was incurred in the session zero. I put that there for some reason. Who's to mm. say why? From the rule book, Shimmer is a transversal underworld criminal syndicate. At its worst, it's a hive of mercenaries, arms dealers, and thieves. At its best, it's your hive of mercenaries, <laughs> arms dealers, and thieves. Like, nobody's all bad, right? Uh, and I think, you know, Brindley came across this kind of organically. Um, I think through Operablum and the, the, the Three Towers and stuff, not everyone has heard of Shimmer, but I think at most, you know, people have heard, you know, rumors and uh, fanciful stories of this underground criminal syndicate that operates definitely for sure in Kindred, but no, actually they definitely for sure operate in Web, or maybe they operate out of all the towers, or maybe they operate out of a secret pocket dimension. Uh, but everything they do is very illegal and very suspicious. Oh, oh, I see. Sorry, I I hadn't heard the Operablin name for them before. Yeah, I've totally heard of those guys. They're, they're multidimensional. We just, in Thenispar, we call them Twinkle. <laughs> It must. It's a translation issue. I, d- I didn't quite, but but now I hear it in Operablin, and it makes sense. Yeah. Of course, this is all speculation that this particular character is in Shimmer. If only you had succeeded at like a role or something to confirm it. Oh well. <laughs> uh, you uh, get off on floor six, transfer to another elevator that takes you to floor six thirteen. You follow the directions. Uh, to the the pin that Gigi has given you. Um, on this floor of Kindred, things are 
very, very nice in in this particular section of the tower, kind of a minimalistic way. Think like extremely tastefully decorated, um, stone rustication, genuine plants molding along the ceiling and, and things along those lines. Um, you make your way down the hall um, and you actually see Gigi. Uh, she's standing in front of a uh, frosted glass door uh, and she says, Welcome, Gold Star Disaster. It is a pleasure to meet you in person. Salutations. It is a pleasure to see you in person. Well, right this way. Uh, she waves a card, some kind of pass card, at a terminal at, at this door here. Um, Helix, no, like, thumbprint readings or retinal scan or biometric readings of any kind, so probably, like, super hackable. She just had to, like, kind of wave her card. She didn't even swipe it. She just kind of waved it. And she opens the door and, and leads you all through into what looks like a giant uh, recreational leisure kind of space. It's like an open concept room where people seem to go to relax. You, you are, for a second, a bit surprised by the color green bright lush green uh, because it seems like part of it is just a park um, and it's so realistic that maybe it's just like the fact that maybe it's the smell it's got a little bit of that manufactured pine tree smell to it that's like oh it's not a real park it's holographic but like it takes work to realize that it is in fact a projection and a simulation uh, to an extent. There's a little cafe off to the side. Um, you're sort of up on a balcony that kind of like goes all the way around and you see hallways kind of branching off to one side. Um, as Gigi leads you down the stairs into sort of the heart of this area, you actually see a couple of people clad, uh, Robin, please correct me if I'm about to make a mistake, fully in black from head to toe. Uh, they appear to have a weapon of some kind. Maybe it's a baton. Maybe it's a sword uh, on their hip. And they just seem to be sort of standing casually at the a corner of the upper level of the room, kind of overlooking everything. Oh, they're sword sliders. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, those are sword sliders. Wait, sword Sword sliders are real? I've, I've heard people talk about them, but I I thought people were just messing with me because I'm from, you know, out of dimension. That you guys really have hypercops called sword sliders? Yeah, hypercops are a good way to describe them. Uh, hyper vigilant, hyper violent, do not cross them. In fact, what, they're obviously just on lookout duty or, or supervision duty, but I'd, I'd say everyone, eyes forward, heads down, let's just get to this portal. Oh, the five of you have nothing to worry about. Sword sliding is a very difficult business, so they like to have some low-key shifts where they can just watch over the relaxation room. It's their form of relaxation. Sure, sure, I believe that. <laughs> I, I do believe that. Uh, she leads you sort of underneath the balcony, kind of through a set of doors, and you find yourselves in, the best way I can describe it is an oversized zen garden. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, uh, silvery sand under your feet, um, a tastefully decorated big old tree with branches coming out and over. Um, and Gigi says, well, believe it or not, this room has always been a little bit on the dry and uncomfortable side, so we figured that this type of garden would be the best fit. Turns out this is where the Thin Zone to Vestiche is located. Makes sense. Well, before you go, I have something for you. And she hands over a device that has a screen and a couple of buttons on it and like two short stubby antennas kind of sticking out. Trevor looks at the uh, device and recognizes that, like, oh, this can work. And kind of, like, near where your rib cage would be on any normal human, uh, it opens up on his left side, and he uh, plugs in the device so that way he can tap into um, his various readers and sensors. Uh, And she says, with this, you'll be able to get readings of Vestige's air, soil, and moisture, uh, though I don't expect much in the way of water in that dimension. All we really ask is that you make sure that this is working, make sure that you're taking readings, and if there's anything interesting you happen to find along the way, please make a note of it and let us know. In fact, and she like pulls out a little, like, little tablet thing and a stylus and holds it out and says, you can take some notes right here. Wait, so you, we're just taking readings and soil samples? I, I mean, I, I guess with all this buildup, I just thought there was, like, a destination in mind. Is there is there a specific place we're trying to get to or an area we're trying to explore? Specific samples you want? Nothing particularly specific. We're just trying to get as much information about Vestige as possible. Though, I will give your friend the location of the Thin Zone out of Vestige, and you can sort of navigate the area in between there. Maeve kind of leans into whoever is nearest to her. Actually, maybe Helix, just because we've been we've been vibing on the lack of lack of trust here. And is like, <laughs> is this starting to feel more and more like a setup to you? Yeah, I... I... I, my hackles were a little up before, but between that interaction in the lift and now the sort of vague instructions we've been given, coupled with the presence of sword sliders, uh, look, I, I say we we just do this, get it over with, keep our guard up, don't do anything. Ooh, this is killing Helix to say because he'd love to go and do something stupid. Yeah, uh, but he's like, I, this, this, <laughs> I'll say this is killing me to say, but I, I think we need to just just get the job done, get out, and don't do anything stupid. So I think you're right about that. Well, is there anything else you need from me? Uh, don't think so. Uh, thanks for the tablet, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, you kids have fun out there. And uh, Gigi doesn't leave, I don't think, but kind of just, like, walks to the end of the room. She just wants to, like, see you off. And Trev, with your space-time ampimeter, it is absolutely going off. Just, like, just on the other side of this Zen garden, you can sense that the reality is thin. And it's going to lead you to another place that is dry and uncomfortable and desolate. Well, team, should we, uh, you know, end of the breach? Let's go. Uh, and he likes kicks off on his hoverboard and um, just, just the easiest way to blast through a slit thin zone is on a hoverboard and uh, does just that. We all follow suit. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, 
Trev4 of the Kindred Corporation is right there to support you. And with that, Gold Star Disaster, you punch through the thin zone into Vestige. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster, wanting to thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you're feeling generous, maybe throw some of those gold stars our way in the form of five-star reviews to your podcatcher of choice. There's an energy to this ad read now. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like outtakes and bonus games. That's patreon.com slash quantum kickflip. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next chapter of Vestige on Wednesday, March 22nd. We're going to get you folks back to the action, but first, here's Gigi with a word from our sponsors. Well, hello there, loyal employees of Kindred Enterprise. It seems there's been a teeny tiny little mix-up, and this podcast appears to be sponsored by Edmonton Initiatives. How silly. We are working to resolve this issue and assimilate Quantum Kickflip as a fully kindred-backed entity. But in the meantime, please bear with me as I read the ads for the current sponsors. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. The 2022 report focused on systemic racism in Edmonton. You can learn more about the Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. This episode of Quantum Kindred, oopsie, little slip of the tongue there, This episode of Quantum Kickflip is also brought to you by the Edmonton Public Schools Open House. We'll get you right back to the action after this, and we'll get back to our dutiful monopolization efforts. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to Edmonton Public Schools Open House. Meet the staff and ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs. Explore your options and find the school that feels right. Find event dates and learn how to make the most out of your visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. It's empty here. Not like your warehouses in Lansdon or makerspaces in Webb. 
Those places hold the promise of possibility, and no such promise seems to reside here. This place is a desert, a wasteland as far as you can see in all directions. A constant, howling wind pulls at the magenta sand, sending it cascading down towering dunes and whipping over ridges in shape-shifting tendrils. Lime-green clouds cast a net over a smog-choked sky through which a blood-orange sun fights to shed light. Sand and smog stretches out, unbroken by any signs of life or civilization, and the wind pushes against you, shrieking in your ears and carrying a chemical smell that you can detect even through your breath masks. There is no sound other than the wind, but this is not a calm quiet. This is an all-encompassing silence that is not expecting to be broken. It is upon this scene that Gold Star Disaster punches through. There is sand everywhere, wind everywhere, smog everywhere, and you have simply been given the directive to explore. I think uh, Maeve approaches Bryn as we as we punch through and sort of like uses her cloak to kind of shield against the wind and is like, Hey Bryn, how you how you holding up on all of this? You're uh you've been awful quiet and sorry, just sometimes you can be a little inscrutable. <laughs> I mean, exploring a new dimension, that's pretty exciting. Doing it at the behest of Kindred is, well, less exciting, but we're here, and that's, uh, that's something. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk to the only other Lansden person here to see, like, you know, that what that guy was saying on the lift. You don't buy any of that, right? We're not going to get branded as a Kindred crew, are we? Like... We're only doing this because we owe them money. It's it's not like we're, you know, signing up for the, the Junior Kindred Club. Can't believe I'm saying this, but if we're subtle about what we do here, then maybe we won't get branded as Kindred. But if we make a big splash, and then they hear that we were here because Kindred told us to, then people might think that we are. All right, well, subtle. We could do subtle. We're always <laughs> subtle. Yeah, we could do this. It's at this point that the uh, loudspeakers on Trevor's chest uh, start erupting. This is Kindred, we are coming. This is Kindred, welcome to us. And uh, it, it does make sense fully because it, it gets lost in some sort of translation. Uh, but it is erupting from uh, Trevor's chest. You're just like entrance music? <laughs> I had never conceived that they would have, like, national anthems for the towers, but of course they do. And of course that's what Kindred sounds like. And thank you for giving me this gift. Whoa, Trev, why aren't you playing this year's current remix of it? <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. Uh, and it looks... <laughs> Pulls up the ne- the other file that's been it's like, like a uh, trap remix. <laughs> they change it up every year musically. It's a new style. It, maybe it's like a Eurovision thing where like <laughs> all the other all the other towers have the same anthem for years, but the Kindred one. It, there's a contest oh. to see. <laughs> oh, it's yes. absolutely Holy Kindred shit. Eurovision. Oh boy. 
<laughs> so I leave that to you, Robin, to figure out how to take my original song and remix it. Y'all are putting my husband in editing purgatory, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. He likes it in there. <laughs> He's happily smiling. <laughs> Helix would like to piggyback on that conversation about not being flashy and not wanting to get branded kindred as well. Uh, he sort of rolls his eyes and is like, "Yeah, no, I, th- I think like I, like I said going into this, uh, we we're we're not necessarily here to make a name for Gold Star Disaster. Uh, we're just here to kind of get this job done and get out. But also doesn't mean we can't you know try our hand at slug blasting, like a good practice run. You know, not practice, but you know, uh, look look at this place. And he point he looks at the horizon and there's dilapidated buildings that make sick you know ninety degree." slants and like broken streetlights and things that you could grind on and he's like we can we can slug blast here we just can't be a crew here i think is 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 maybe the takeaway well hey we're barely a crew at the best of times this should be easy (laughs) (laughs) uh and mave kicks off on her board what do we what do we see for uh skatable surfaces lena kind of what you're seeing is like very sparse as far as old ruins. I think there are is like the occasional, you know, busted up streetlight. Maybe there once was a highway here. So there's like lights and guardrails and and maybe rails that used to be like some sort of uh space-time slush collector upon which, you know, hover trains and hover buses could go on. Uh maybe some like rest stop vibes question mark who knows what these buildings could be but they were they're very very small like the size of like a small bus shelter kind of thing and and mostly like toppled and dilapidated and ruined uh and then of course within the the desert wasteland itself i think there is like a fair amount of you know, dunes and valleys, sort of ravines with gaps that you can jump over, dunes that you can ramp off of, uh, things sort of along those lines. So definitely some stuff that you can like skate along and pull off some tricks. And did did someone offer that there was like a heavy wind at this point? Like we're trying to talk over like a gust of wind? It is constantly overpoweringly windy. Absolutely. A- any chance that wind could be blowing in the direction we need to go? That's going to depend on your role, fam. Okay, because <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I'd, I'd like to to sort of s- start off by just sort of getting some forward momentum, uh, and I'd like to use my energy lattice to uh, sort of erect a vertical triangle on my hard light board, and I, I want to see if I can do Ooh. some like wind surfing on these dunes. Ooh, I like. That. Oh, that rolls. Do we want to do individual rolls for these? tricks or do we want to pool together into a group role for this first part i mean mave was about to maybe uh challenge everybody to a, a trick competition or something <laughs> oh i do i do like that <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't derail us too far not at all not at all your your mission has been simply to explore um so you can absolutely throw more roles at this it just might give me more problems to work with <laughs> <laughs> Maeve, I think, notices Helix uh, crafting his board uh, and realizes that she has something that can can uh, act in a similar way uh, and begins to mess with the uh, hard light upscaling on her jacket and is like, 
uh, hey, you guys want to want to do a trick challenge? Uh, best stunt wins. Trev judges. What if Trev wants to do a trick? Well, then, hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't really have an objective, a more objective judge than than our robot, but um. Oh, 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 Scampy! Could Scampy judge? Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel I would be a better judge than uh, a Daibokin who was not designed to judge uh, skateboarding or hoverboarding or slug blasting. <laughs> Trev, were you distinctly designed to do any of those three things you listed? Due to my integration of knowledge of slug blasting, I am quite capable of determining who has the most tubular slug blasting moves. See, now I'm on Brinley's wavelength. I think Trev doesn't want to do a trick because I think he's chicken. (gasps) Do a trick. Do a trick. Do a trick. Uh, is like trying to understand like the nuance that's happening in this interaction of like he's trying to math peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's receiving this thing of like do a trick. Uh, He he doesn't fully understand like yeah social pressure. It's just like he's being commanded to do even though he just said that. Oh no, I'm capable of judging. Is like. Well, it seems that you need somebody to show you how to do a proper slug blasting trick. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Trevor, of course, uh, uh, kind of goes face first down uh, that uh, uh, that repulsor lift that's in his stomach. Uh, opens up, his legs go back to give him his rocket thrusters, and uh, he s- flies ahead on uh, towards a dune, and he starts heading towards like a, a little bit of a, a, a curved ramp. He's coming at it from the side so that he he swings up the ramp from uh, from the side so that he can kind of do. Um, a twist in the air, and uh, he uh, ta- takes himself out of his rocketing forward form uh, to do kind of like he puts his two hands underneath his chin, and he uh, uh, looks like he's smiling as he's resting his head on his two hands, as though he was like posing for like a, a photo. <laughs> at, at, at the uh, you know at the Walmart or whatever, and then he folds back into his form, and that's what he's attempting to do. Let's get a roll. Let's see if Trent Four can take Gold Star Disaster <laughs> to school. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. So I'm going to use a die from my hyper optic visor. I'm going to throw in a kick from my uh, heart. You know what? I'm also going to throw in a kick for my hypervisor. So it's only 2D, uh, uh, it's a 2D6 with a couple of kick on it. So he's looking for an impressive thing. I should say that he's trying to look cool because he's trying to show these other, uh, uh, these uh, quote unquote fools how it's done. <laughs> yes, and um, uh, yeah, that's, and, and he's recording it. So if it mm-hmm. goes bad, that's a possible angle on it. I roll a five. 
Uh, you know what, Trev? I'm actually not going to give you a complication for this mixed success. Yay! Because I want to lay out some ground rules for this challenge that is uh, uh, rising up in oh, prestige no. here. So you did succeed, Trev. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Marcus Style, you did say that you were doing a trick. Yeah, I did. I will maybe say because it was a five, uh, you, the objective judge of what <laughs> makes a hella fly trick, uh, you know that that wasn't the best trick, uh, numerically and quantifiably speaking. Um, someone could most certainly pull off a better trick than you. <laughs> um, in addition, what I'm going to do is you put two kick on that roll, right? That's correct, yes. I'm going to break up the kick in a couple of ways. Uh Uh-huh. With one kick, I'm actually going to put a style in the crew pool. Okay. And the second kick is going to boost your five up to a six, because how I want this to work is y'all can roll for your tricks, highest roll wins. I will only issue problems if you roll a one, two, or three. If you add kick to your roll and you succeed, you can choose to basically get a crew style for your kick or bump your number up. Ooh. Well, then that begs the question, Trev, do you want to split your kick or do you want to bump your roll to a seven? Seven. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's up to you. (laughs) Look, uh, Trev 4 does not have this concept of like, I'm trying to best all of y'all. I am trying to show you how to do this. Yeah, you're setting the bar. Mm -hmm. I'm setting the bar. So I think I'm just going to go to six because that would be essentially like the the standard best move kind of a thing. Uh, And yeah, so I think I'll leave it there. Awesome. You do land your trick uh, successfully. Uh, You don't like biff it or anything like that. And as I come uh, back down, uh, you know, posing as I said I did, and I uh, reform to my normal uh, bipedal form, kind of like landing in a superhero landing <laughs> with yes. the, the knee down. Landing. Yes. Yeah, the three-point landing, the knee down, the other leg kind of up, the, the fist into the ground. And I look up, then stand up and... So tell me, what do you have, suckers? <laughs> Vicious. Yeah, I, look, I uh, uh, Trev knows how to taunt. Uh, Maeve turns to Helix and is like, I think he's talking to you. Uh, I've failed uh, every challenge I've levied against uh, Brinley and, and frankly, uh, the rest of you. If it's all the same to you, I'd like to go last. <laughs> I've been a little ambitious lately, and it's bitten me in the ass. So, so just give me a moment. I'm I'm working on something, and he's he's tinkering with his hard light board, trying to set up the uh, energy lattice, as I said earlier. Well, you don't have to tell me twice. So, Maeve is going to use her hard light upscaling uh, because one of the things listed in the in the book is briefly serviceable wings. You can you can roll to temporarily augment your jacket with useful hard light ornaments, such as briefly serviceable wings. We're in a wind dimension. What else am I going to do but windsurf uh, or hang glide, as it were? Uh, so I want to roll with my jacket to ride this howling wind. 
Um, I'm going to use a d6 from my jacket. I will throw two kick from my jacket as well. Fuck me, double ones. <laughs> How does that feel? I know, I know, I know the feeling, Maeve. I know the feeling. Double ones. Holy shit. I have shit. an offer for a complication if you want. I think I know exactly what it is. Okay, you know okay. what it is. Okay, describe the start of your trick. What happens right up until you get in the air? Uh, I think Maeve generates these hard light wings. They are uh, gold and glowy like all of her hard light ornamentations. Um, I think they're kind of like, uh, like those... Uh, like a flying squirrel almost like they go from from the <laughs> bottom of the jacket to the sleeve kind of thing think uh storm's cape on her classic x-men costume think uh that weird mm-hmm. webbing spider-man sometimes has in his armpits that kind of thing mm-hmm. um yes. so she generates this sort of like glider webbing mesh and then goes to kick off her hoverboard and try and get a little bit of air to sort of catch an updraft uh and then you absolutely uh catch this updraft and it carries you away. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you wholeheartedly underestimate how powerful and constant this wind is. And it's not just a nice breeze you can ride. You are you are whisked away. All of you see this happen. All of you see Maeve get like whipped up and over a particularly tall sand dune and just out of sight. I'm glad it wasn't me this time. Mm. Oh, jeez, that's not good. Yeah, uh, I think uh, upon upon seeing uh, Maeve just get carried away, Walt, Walt is just like, um, I think he's just going to. No, I'm not like making a trick to the to the competition per se, but just going to try and keep up with Maeve. Okay. W- Walt still does not feel that he is the strongest uh, uh, skater from on the hoverboarding end of things. Uh, he's, he's, he's a little baby for slug blasting. A little slug blasting baby. He'll, he'll, he'll use this, uh, this, uh, excuse to, to, to get out of the competition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. So yeah, you're, you're basically going after Maeve and making sure you're keeping an eye on her. Yeah. I, Maeve really appreciates that effort, like that, that you care so much about her and, and her well-being. And, and I'm sure my other two teammates, uh, my, my other two canonically very competitive teammates will feel the same way and will abandon this competition to go help their friend and, and won't surely won't continue to try and challenge one another. Looks like Walt's got her. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say best two out of three, but you've beaten me the last two times. So this is just, yeah, I, don't, I just, goodness, I just, I want to get through this one without biffing it. G- good luck. Thanks, man. And Brindley's going to use her impulse rig to launch herself high in the air uh, off of a dune and do an invert, which is a handstand on her board while she is in the air. And anytime you attempt a trick, you get 1d6 because I have a show off. I'm also going to uh, do add 1d6 for my guts. So I will be rolling 3d6. Awesome. Do you want to add any kick on that? Because I will... Uh, uh, Trevor, are you still recording, by the way? Uh, at this point, yes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll still allow you to add a kick for uh, either crew style or uh, more cred to your trick. Sure, I'll add a kick from my gauntlet. That's a six. Hey! Woo! 
D- describe uh, how this looks, how the light catches you, when in your trick you flip to your hands, etc. At the very zenith of the top of the curve, she puts her hands down and her legs up, you know, a handstand. <laughs> and uh, maybe even does it one-handed, because why not? She rolled a six. And yep. I put some kick on there. And then gets back down in like a little crouch and like just rolls to a stop, looks at Trev and goes, how about that? Please mark a style for your trick. Are you using your kick to go to the crew style or to make your six a seven? Can I make it a seven? Did we establish if that was a real thing? Yeah, you can make it a seven. Highest number wins. Yeah, I'm going to make it a seven. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Brinley rolls a seven. Uh, all right, Helix, uh, it is your turn. All right, looks like I'm up. Activate energy lattice, Y-axis, uh, wind sail, uh, and, and sort of, uh, erects a hard light wind sail, um, that's fairly, uh, uh thin, uh, and somewhat malleable, uh, and, uh, extends his hoverboard to be fairly long, about snowboard length, and is just gonna try to get as much sort of speed and control, like, be able to slalom. As he goes down this dune, mm-hmm. uh, and I would like to, uh, actually, I'm going to take a dare. Uh, I'm going to get an extra D6 for doing a dare about it on my roll, and you can go ahead and take a bite. I will. Thank uh, you. For my extra D6. Uh, and then I'm going to add a kick, but I, uh, it's not going to be to try to get it up to a seven or beat anybody, because I'm feeling pretty confident. I think I'm going to be just fine. Uh, <laughs> that's never bit me in the ass before. Um, <laughs> the kick is to sort of like scope out some of this landscape. Like if he's slaloming and kind of covering the most ground, um, I'm, I'm rolling a D six to succeed a dare to definitely succeed D six. And then the kick I'm adding is, uh, to get the lay of the land. Okay. But you know, you can't actually roll a seven, right? You need at least one kick if you want to win. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I just want to be Brin. I just want to, honestly, uh, he like sort of mumbles to himself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I just want to not biff it this time. This is the third challenge against these people I've participated in. And <laughs> it, it, I, I honestly don't care if I win. I just want to not fall flat on my ass. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, big wind sail comes up off his board. He sort of hangs off and he looks pretty cool. And that is a six. Yay! Yay! Four and a six. <laughs> it's Helix's moment. Describe this trick that goes perfectly successfully. Yeah, start sliding down the dune. You know, uh, uh, Brinley's moving pretty quick. Um, Trev's moving incredibly quick. Uh, and yeah, he's just gonna like kind of like dune slalom down these this sandy sandy hill, um, back forth, maybe up a bit again. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that that kick informs me of something we didn't otherwise notice because I'm sort of covering the most ground and in a sense exploring uh, and not losing this challenge. <laughs> not winning yeah. this challenge, but not losing this challenge. Yeah, you, um, your trick is perfect. It is effortless. Please do mark a style for it. Um, and Trev4, you are capturing just excellent footage that thing where like on trev's video it's like you see way off in the distance it's just like this big plume of sand and then it like snap zooms in and you can see helix is carving down the dune yeah 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 
with your kick to explore further. Uh, you see it's sort of um, hidden a little bit in the ridges of the dunes, like you didn't see anything breaking into the horizon or anything like that. It's, it's, it's tucked in because it's a big pit. And in this pit is sort of like, it's, it's very much the, the ruins of what looks like a small town. And from your vantage point, you even see beyond this town what looks like an a, even bigger pit that might be a mining quarry. Uh, and I will also say that this is roughly in the direction that Maeve um, haphazardly blew away to. Sure. Uh, yes, Helix, uh, you know, catches up to Brinley and Trev. It's great, great job, Brinley, as always. I, 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 I didn't look like Walt participated, so I got I to gotta believe you, you probably won that. Yeah, thanks, man. Wouldn't expect it any other way, but I am happy to say... The scores haven't been tallied yet! <laughs> I can still win this thing! <laughs> yeah, the, you, you hear that echoing over the dunes. Uh, I, I, I'm I, just happy I didn't biff my trick, but also I, I noticed some, some sort of strange cavernous openings in the grounds just off in the distance. Uh, not only is I think that relevant to our uh, expedition here, but I... I and he like licks his finger, puts it the finger up into the wind. Gotta believe that may be where Maeve ended up. Well, let's head in that direction then, I guess. He like kicks off his board and and kind of continues going that way. Uh, still, I, I like this. Uh, I like this wind sailing aspect of the the hard light board. I'm having fun reshaping it into different kinds of like boarding activities. Mm-hmm. With that, you uh, embark to reconnect with Maeveline and Walton. Walt. You go in the direction that Maybelline went <laughs> involuntarily. <laughs> and I think, because Maeve, you were doing a trick too, right? I sure was. Does that make my complications Great. worse or something? Uh, just a teensy bit, maybe, possibly. Mm -hmm. uh, Walt, you crest over a dune, dip into a little bit of a valley, and then you do see Maeve. Um, and she is up to her chest in quicksand. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quicksand. We should have thought it's a sand dimension. There's only so so long you can go before you that we like we should have seen the writing on the wall on this one. <laughs> oh geez, Maeve, uh try to hold still. Or or, or, or shimmy or I, I've never encountered quicksand. I, I I don't know what to do. Yeah, me either. There's surprisingly uh, a, a lack of it in uh, Thanos Spar, so I, I'm not entirely sure. And even if there was, I don't know if it behaved the same way as it does here. Uh, I've been trying to use the wings that I generated to kind of, you know, spread out my surface area, but it has not been working. If anything, it's just given the sand more to pull on. Uh, yeah, I'm in a tight spot here. Yeah, quick, uh, g get your hands up in the air. You get ready to grab. Uh, Maeve, Maeve attempts to do so. <laughs> I got a one in four chance of getting a hand in the air, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Walt, sounds like we're going to need a roll to pull Maybelline out of the quicksand. Yeah, I think for this, I am going to mark one turbo to use button masher and unlock a mod on my signature device for the length of one action. 
Ooh. And uh, the so I'm gonna mark. I'll mark a kick that, uh, from that f- to unlock mobility boosters. Roll to have your robot go really fast. Can carry a passenger or two. Ditch the hoverboard and hop on. Amazing. So yeah, I'm hoping with enough speed, Scampikin can sort of zoom out over the quicksand. Maybe can grab on and get pulled up and out. I'll roll with. No, I'm just gonna go with the the normal two d six of the chill. Here we go. Yeah, nothing riding on. There's nothing important here. It's fine. <laughs> um, 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 well, you know, uh, the lucky thing here is that the two dice I rolled uh, both came up the same, which means uh, because I got doubles, I, got, I mark a style. Oh, that's um, good. They did both come up as twos. <laughs> <laughs> that's less good. Uh, so, no, maybe I'll, I'll even amend this a little. I think, I think Walt was going to have Scampy sort of like try and carry him out over. With a hand out. Because mobility boosters can carry a passenger or two. So he's in his right hand, he's holding on to Scampy, who's kind of pulling him forward, and he's swinging low with his left hand to try and grab Maeve. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Maeve, uh, Walt glides over to you. Uh, uh, held up by by Scampy, his like arm is flexing in a way. You can like see his bicep. <laughs> He's, like backlit by the it. orange sun, just like fighting its way through the clouds. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he he holds out his hand to you uh, so that you can take it, and he can pull you up out of the quicksand and into his arms. Um, uh huh, uh huh. And, and it happens. And, that, and then and then that happens, and it works. Uh, right? And you take his hand and uh, he pulls and you feel the, the resistance of the quicksand against you. And then abruptly the the something in the, the suction question mark of the quicksand changes. Uh, and both of you just get instantly zooped and sucked underneath. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> just fully disappear under the surface. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, is Scampy pulled with me, or am I like, yeah. is my grasp on. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll let Scampy comes with you too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna give both of you a slam of. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know the feeling when you like go into water? It, it's quicksand up your nose. That's the slam. Oh, no. <laughs> Not nasal grit. Nasal grit. <laughs> quicksand up the nose. <laughs> and it is only briefly unpleasant like that. And of course, you can nope it for too trouble because you're actually not like submerged for long. You find that you are in like what seems like a tunnel. Oh. And you can very, very dimly sort of see where you are because this entire tunnel is kind of like this very, very dim electric blue color. And sorry, is it that we've like passed through a layer of quicksand or is it all, is this tunnel also full of quicksand? You've passed through the quicksand and into this tunnel. Uh, Maeve lands in a heap on the floor of the tunnel and then uh, is just about to start getting, like, pulling herself up to her feet and then Walt lands on top of her and, like, slams her back <laughs> down and like, ah, yeah, uh, And the thing about this tunnel, too, is that it feels kind of, it doesn't feel like sand or dirt, it feels like spongy, almost like moss or algae, because it is also extremely slippery. 
Uh, well, <coughs> thanks for trying. Well, I... Uh, Sorry, Maeve. <coughs> I, I just... Y- you really had my back and helped me out a lot when we were out in DiboCon, and I, I, I was trying to repay the favor, and... S- sorry, I, I, sorry, I should get off of you. Sorry, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Ugh. what, Scampy? Aren't you supposed to be back judging the contest? Hello, <laughs> how would I do? Um, scrap, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a unfavorable opinion from the digital judge. Uh, well, you can't win them all. Anyway, where the fucks are we right now? This. This isn't how quicksand usually works, right? I, I, again, I'm not from this dimension, but I, I gotta imagine this isn't how this is supposed to be. I'm also not from this dimension, but uh, yeah, I would agree that it doesn't seem normal. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, Walt pulls out the tablet that he was given at the start of this whole thing. Uh, pile of quicksand leads to eerie blue tunnel. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Very eerie feels very scientific. Well, I I guess we got two options, you know, this away or that away. Um, do we see anything, Lena, that like indicates a direction we should head? Also, am I correct in assuming it's like a it's a tunnel that goes in in two directions from where we are, and not like a uh, a spider web of interconnected tunnels or like a beehive or something? Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right in that there's uh, you're you're in one tunnel that is extending in two directions kind of on either side of you um it is very dark there is no natural light there seems to be some sort of weird like bioluminescence thing in this like moss algae stuff but other than that like i don't think there really is any particular indication for which way you should go uh mave's gonna collect a sample of this moss while we're down here all right. Feels like the thing to do. We, we, you know, supposed to explore and stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't really give us a lot of instruction. I, how's this strike you? I mean, you're you're from Kindred. Maybe, maybe Helix and I are getting worked up over nothing, but it feels like there's something they're not telling us, right? Um, I guess. I honestly, the Kindred kind of keeps all their own stuff under wraps. Uh, they have a, a certain outward-facing persona for the tower, and I don't know. You, you never really expect a something corporate to to have the same outer and inner inner workings in that way. Yeah, I, I guess I just I'm getting too comfortable with the the arborists. They kind of wear their hearts on their sleeves next to their little little tree emblems. You know, I, there's not a lot of subterfuge going on with them, uh, at least as far as I can tell. Um. Well. Subterfuge or not, we we have to work off that debt somehow. Uh, what do you say we go this way? Sounds like a plan. All right. And I think let's get one more roll to see if you pick the right direction. <laughs> okay, there's no indication of which way to go, but also, <laughs> you gotta roll for it. Um, Walt, you want to take this one? Sure, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, Walt's just going off intuition, so I, it'll be another of the, just the 2d6. <laughs> this one was double fives. 
Double fives. Hey. So steezy. Walt's not really doing the best this time, but he's looking very cool doing it somehow. <laughs> I mean, I think to Maeve, everything he does is very cool. Uh, so that tracks. Um, yeah, I think you pick a direction. You start making your way down this tunnel. It is, in fact, very slippery. Uh, so it's it's very, very, very difficult to get your footing. Uh, you slip more than once, uh, kind of go skidding down the tunnel more than you're actually, like, walking or, like, crouch walking because it's kind of a low tunnel. I think mm. by, like, the third or fourth slip, Walt, maybe you start to suspect that Maeve is, is like, falling into you, like, even for a slippery tunnel more often than is reasonable. Eric says, oh, sorry, I just, it's so slippery in here. I keep, oh, oh, goodness, oh, uh, sorry about that again. It's all right. Do you, do you want a hand? Do you, do no, no, I'll be fine. Oh, oh, no. Oh, you're, you're on your face now. Okay. Um, do, do you want a hand up? Yeah, yes. And as you make your way down, you do notice that there is, uh, it does start to get a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter. And the other thing that you're kind of noticing is like, it, it, seems like there's a little bit more in this cave than just like weird blue slime uh, as you sort of get more natural light you see what looks like uh, really like small they almost look rock like but they're like little succulent plants kind of like clawing up through the dirt and gripping and like through the veining of the plants is like very blue and they have dark blue sort of like flesh leaves what are cactuses called? Anyway, <laughs> you sort of like detect a little bit of this like little bit of life in this tunnel as you go. Um, and then you detect a whole lot of it as you hear something slithering behind you in the distance. Uh, Maeve, was that you? Hang on, Walt. This is, look at all that. I mean, there's not supposed to be this here, right? At the, the moss back there was weird enough, but now there's, there's whole plants going on like, Esri is a, a cautionary tale. The the arborists tell us all the, you know, ab about the the folly of of what can happen when someone a dimension's reach exceeds their grasp and they and they mess a whole world up. But but this is this isn't supposed to be like this. Uh, she's in her own little world and not noticing the thing you're trying to tell her. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, the classic the classic like uh uh yeah. getting closer, <laughs> tapping and tapping closer. on the shoulder. Um, you. Maeve, there's there's a, there's kind of a behind uh, a slither um uh uh yeah yeah uh, hang on I just I, I want to take a closer look at this I mean how is this even growing down here it's it's um, got no, no light you, it's got no water it's... and look look behind the uh, Wolf puts his hand over her mouth hmm? uh, how close <laughs> is that slithering sound now <laughs> ooh ooh uh uh very close uh I think it's still coming towards you and in fact you can see a blue light coming from where you had come from that is getting brighter and, and brighter. And you see uh, what looks like some sort of like weird fleshy proboscis that's bright blue start to emerge from around the corner. <laughs> I think I better get out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, roger that, roger that. <laughs> Walt? Maeve. 
I, I could have swore I saw them go this way. At least I think I did. Maeve! Walt? If, if I'm here as well, which I kind of assumed, like, I want to invoke my omniscience um, aperture that allows me to see through walls into objects and all around you. Uh, yeah, I'll throw in an extra die and I'll throw in a kick in order to be able to locate her. Uh, sure. Sounds good. <laughs> that's a four. Okay. That's, that's a success. So, Trev, uh, Helix, and Bryn, uh, I think the three of you are making your way through uh, this town or, like, approaching this town uh, to try and, you know, uh, reunite with the rest of your crew. Um, It's an absolute ghost town. All of these buildings have been just, like, worn by time. Uh, They've sort of eroded and corroded into different colors. Uh, Deep burnt browns, bleached whites, uh, bright cyan colors. Um, The sand here is also a little bit different. Uh, It's sort of darkened and deepened to, like, a crimson color rather than a, a... the more pinkish magenta that you had been encountering. And maybe it's how the path has been packed down uh, or something, but like the sand has sort of packed up into spiky sort of rocks. Um, So that's what the two of you see as you're sort of approaching this, uh, this space looking for your friends. Um, Trev four Mm -hmm. with your omniscience aperture activated and with your role of a four, mm-hmm. um, you are actually able to pinpoint Maeve's location. The nice thing about Vestige is that there aren't a lot of Thenespartians there. <laughs> sure. Uh, at least not in, in, in this part of Vestige. So that particular signature is somewhat easy to detect and pinpoint. Uh, So you know that uh, she and Walt, in fact, are on the other side of the town, closer to this big pit. And it kind of looks like, because you can see through quote unquote walls, it kind of looks like they're inside a dune right now. That's kind of weird. With your mix, your complication, I think at first you were just like scanning, being like, ah, life forms. That's all I need. Certainly I don't need to narrow it down more. And your sensors got pretty quickly overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And as you dial in to Maeve's specific signature, you also dial into these other life forms that you're finding in the dozens easily. And what looks to Bryn and Helix to be spiky red rocks, maybe a weird way that the sand blew up, you register as some kind of perfectly camouflaged arthropod. What do you do? Google arthropod. Yep. Buggy boy. Almost crustacean-like. You might get like a roly-poly. Yeah. Think like your beetles, your crabs, yeah. your uh, scorpions. Segmented carapace. Yeah. Uh, this kind of sound blurts out of the chassis of Trev 4. Uh, it's kind of like in a warning signal. It's not coming from his vocabulator. It's just coming out of him, this alarm of just like, very 
and uh, kind of like, you know, uh, a Metal Gear Solid, somebody sees you kind of a thing. Just like, <laughs> uh, yep, and, yep. And, and uh, recognizes that there are these uh, creatures that are all around. Yeah, it seems that there are a bunch of buggy boys nearby. <laughs> uh, we need to be careful. I know that... Maybelline and Walton are this direction and points, you know, downwards into the ground. Like, clearly there's nothing. Uh, it's just ground. He's pointing kind of into the uh, into the ground. Uh, but we n- must be careful. Otherwise, we may bring upon us some sort of bug attack. Uh, uh, Helix is fighting the urge to be like, uh, fight- fighting a big... Crab thing would be pretty sweet and fun, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> mm, no, you're right. I think, uh, I think the plan this whole run has been to proceed with caution and keep our heads down. So maybe we we get them out of that situation and and not let this escalate. Sigh. <laughs> Trevor reads that you think that this is one giant bug. I'm like, uh, and and Trevor uh, responds. Do not worry. This is a bunch of tiny bugs. This is not a worthwhile fight to have. However, I am able to detect them. So perhaps I can fend them off while you go and retrieve our friends. Wait, so they're all the way on the other side of the town? That is correct. On the other side of the town and underneath the ground. I guess we should help them out. Why don't we make maybe a group roll out of this where maybe your intention is to find Maven Wolves, maybe pull them out from from where they are currently. If you want, because there is pretty much the baked in problem of you don't want to disturb these bugs, these camouflaged bugs. But if you would like to add kick to the roll that may mitigate that problem. What I'm hearing, if I may. Yes. So the bugs are on the ground. Yeah. And there's... Camouflaged in with the sand. And there's buildings? Yes. So you're saying that we might need to run along the buildings? Oh. Oh. Interesting. Interesting conclusion for Brinley Zerk, (laughs) champion deliverer of post-host, to come to. (laughs) Like, if we want to make it a group roll, we still can. Uh, but I would posit that Brinley is the one who makes the roll and kind of, like, shows everyone where to go and how to traverse. I, I like that a lot. And it's cleared it up a little bit for for me of, like, we got to get to the other side of this town full of buggy boys to be mm-hmm. able to get to them. And also maybe that's where the, the you know, they've got maybe a different monster. So, yeah, this is the, the obstacle between us and them. Dig it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. She can't help it. She's going to do a trick. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, and the fact that I get 1d6 for doing a trick has nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Nothing Friendly at all. Friendly is just a show off. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to add 1d6 from my attitude. And uh, yeah, she's going to run to the nearest wall and uh, start running up to find handholds and do. You know what? I'm going to roll and then we'll see what she does. Let's put All it right, there. let's go. That's a six. Yeah. Hey. Any doubt? 
complete success. Tell me how this looks. Uh, yeah, so I think it's, so you said it's a small town, right? Very, very small, yeah. There's a warehouse and it has like a pipe going up from the eaves troughs or going down from the eaves troughs, I should say. But Brinley's gonna mm-hmm. climb up this pipe and uh, get to the top and kind of like like launch herself onto the the roof and just start running and running. And every time there's a space between roofs or structures, she does the quickest possible route, much like uh, like you're supposed to in parkour. You are absolutely in your element. Uh, you navigate uh, these buildings and structures with ease. You do it in such a way that Helix and Trevor are able to keep up with you. Maybe they don't like look as uh, rad <laughs> as you do when they do it, but they are still able to keep up and follow. And uh, best of all, you do not disturb these dozens of little bugs on the sand. Congratulations. Thanks. Do I get a style? You get a style? Of course you get a style. Yay. I also refill my attitude. Nice. Now, I might give this to... uh, What the heck? I'll give this to Helix. Mm -hmm. As you're making your way through this town, you notice something that's, like, kind of weird like obviously it's all very like broken down dilapidated very much in ruin but you you can't help but notice that there are one or two lots in this town where it seems like the building is just missing not like an empty lot and not like something has been demolished there almost like something has been like ripped off and is gone now. Look at the some of these lots. It, it doesn't look like anything's been demolished or knocks over, knocked over. It's just like someone forgot to put something there. It's strange. Huh. It's pretty wild. Trev, you said something about quicksand. I don't know, maybe the, the building sunk in the quicksand? I mean, uh, d- dunes you know, move over time. Maybe I I don't know. Let's just let's just find uh, Maeve and Walt before it's too late. You know, we we might whatever space they're existing in currently might not be here for too long. So the three of you make your way effortlessly, flawlessly through this town, and some effort, <laughs> some effort, uh, less for others. Whatever. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, As you get through, I think maybe you get to a point where you realize that the sand starts to, like, smooth out and and looks like proper sand again. And now that, you know, Trev has pointed out that those spiky rocks were, in fact, bugs, it's like, oh, now that you know what to look for, it's pretty obvious that that town is kind of overrun with a little infestation. Um... And as you get back to sand and the danger is past, I think Trev4 maybe takes the lead and sort of guides you uh, to kind of the side of a dune. Trev, you still have a track on our friends? Indeed, I do. Looks like they're kind of on this like side of a dune. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think what ends up happening is... You think maybe you hear, like, muffled voices, maybe? 
Um, you could be imagining it. I don't know, but it's it's kind of does sound a little bit like someone talking way off in the distance. Uh, and then you kind of hear like scrambling. And you sort of realize that, yes, indeed, it is Walt and Maeve on the other side. Uh, and you start to get to work to sort of dig them out from this dune. And Walt and Maeve, you put together that they're on the other side. You hear the voices. You hear Trev Four's uh, very projected vocabulator confirming that, yes, in fact, you are there. And you kind of realize that the way through is through the wall. Maeve, Walt, we, we can hear you. We're on the other side of this dune. Are you in some sort of, like, chasm or, or, or cavernous space? Helix. E- Elix, is that you? Dig, dig quick! There's, there's something coming. There's something coming behind us. Oh, follow our voice. Dig towards us. Trev, hit him with that song you were playing earlier. <laughs> uh, so Trev Four's uh, file uh, brings up the uh, what would be the Earth equivalent of the 1984 uh, uh, version of it. Welcome to Kindred. Come to us. It is now, and uh, it's blasting out from uh, from his vocabulator on his chest. Oh, we found you guys. What? What, you, what were you saying? Something is coming. What's what's coming? Move, move, move. Blue, blue. Walton uh, and Maeve uh, uh, scramble urgently out of this newly formed hole. Both of them are covered in bright blue slime as they sort of rush the rest of you a little bit further into this gigantic quarry that you haven't even had time to process, and you're not gonna have time to process it because bursting out of this hole directly behind Walton and Maybelline is a giant cerulean worm. <laughs> 